Should Wave Our Parents, a prequel podcast for four supernatural veterans and family deniers. Watch the Winchesters. My name is Abigail and my pronouns are they, them. My name is Beth. My pronouns are she, her. My name is Elena. My pronouns are she, they. My name is KJ and my pronouns are also she, they. And today we're going to be talking about episode two, Teach Your Children Well. How do we feel, everyone? <laughs> um, I feel like it's supernatural, to be honest. Yeah. This was absolutely the most supernatural episode. Of the two uh, that we have so far, yeah. <laughs> Compared to the previous one, though, definitely more supernatural than oh, yeah, the previous time. One. The Monster of the Week cold open really sent me. Like, I, yes. I didn't know what year it was. And and just also the I gotta say they really nailed it with how like the glitchiness of the the Winchester's intro this felt like two thousand and five. <laughs> <laughs> really did it really did. Honestly, that cold open, my jaw dropped when we got the dialogue about the. It's just like those dolls. We're trapped inside our parents, inside their parents. I was like, Jesus fuck, we are not holding any punches today. No, no, no <laughs> not at all doing some light symbolism <laughs> yeah <All right. laughs> we were just like we're gonna come in hot with the parental trauma <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. literally my second note is themes of parental trauma <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be supernatural the director of this episode which is john f showalter because i had not looked up, up, up his imdb until like a few minutes ago like immediately before we started recording Naturally. He's directed Supernatural 26 times. Oh, shit. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Like a bunch. That's his name, but that's a lot more than I would have thought. I wouldn't say, like, the, like, so Inherit the Earth 1519, also Golden Time, which is the episode where Eileen comes back. Uh, Game Night, which is the episode where Mary dies. Oh. Uh, Advanced Thanatology, The British Invasion, which is a big, like, Men of Letters one. Paint it black, which is like when the one Ooh. where Dean talks to the priest. It has like the confession yeah. scene before we had the confession scene. Yeah, that's Dean's confession scene. I think I'm gonna like it here, which is like the first episode of season nine, like where he's trying to save Sam and Gadriel, like all that stuff. Oh yeah, so he's he's been around for a minute. Is season nine the earliest that he directed? Uh, his earliest, his very first one is Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, which is season five. That's the Bobby's Wife zombie. Oh, wow. So he was like 10 years directing because he also directed 1519. Yeah. That's incredible. Like Two and a Half Men, which is like the beginning of season five. The Shapeshifter. With with Bobby. Oh, that's interesting because we had both zombies and like the potential of shapeshifters in this episode. Uh, yeah. Clap your hands if, if you believe, which is the like alien soul, like the pinnacle soul is Sam episode. Yeah, slash fiction, which is like the one with the oh, Leviathan. slash fiction was Robbie's oh, first episode. That was Robbie's yeah. first episode. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. I like a bunch more. Like I literally, I can't list all of them. <laughs> the directing in this episode is extremely good, though. I thought, yes. like, yeah, I just say. I want to bring it up. I can only send so much information to Jamie, but what I did send her about this episode is that the direction gives heavy, like, leverage vibes. Like, there is a lot, like, if you've seen leverage and you've seen Supernatural, you can see the crossover here. Like, it's very clear. There's a lot of moments in this episode where something situational happens or someone says something or something, and then there's a lingering shot on John and or Mary or both of them, and it's like, let's just let this sink in we're talking about that 
<laughs> yeah. The part when um, Clyde says that, you know, for most people, the thing they're trying to break free from is their parents. And then it like goes Absolutely. straight to John and Mary. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> we're not being subtle. We're about as no, subtle no. as a frying pan to the face right now. So we're also like supernatural in that the editors do the Lord's work. Yeah. <laughs> Something I want to talk about before we like get too far past the cold open is that, um, the cold open has like a label on it of like Topeka, Kansas, 1972. And the fact that like we're still including the year makes me think we're definitely going to see maybe other timelines. And like, oh, like mm. in Supernatural, we only see like a year when we're going to see another year. That's true. The exact timeline matters in this more than it generally used to matter in most Supernatural episodes. Yeah. And then I suddenly had a like vicious feed for something I didn't know I needed and that's an episode in the style of safe safe house where it's Sam and Dean fighting something and then Mary and John in 1972 doing the same thing like even if they use click footage from Supernatural like ooh, like actually using oh actually, wow like mirroring that would actually be super interesting I, I don't foresee Jared being available to film like I just don't foresee that happening more honest, anytime like, soon a, like, divorce, and then B, just, like, scheduling-wise. I just don't see them. Why, why would you think that? Is it because he was gutted <laughs> at any point for any reason? But also, like, the man's just busy. Like, he's a star. Like, he's the lead on another show, and, like, that just is yeah. time-consuming. And he's, isn't he the executive producer of Walker Independence? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. so he's a busy man. Well, yeah. and I think the fact that we're only, like, getting voiceovers from Jensen means, I think, it's the same thing. Like, And Jensen's not a, like... He's a series regular regular on on big sky Sky and then like executive producing that what does sort of give me hope for that though kj is like safe house is one of robbie's episodes so yes (laughs) that's a style that and we know robbie likes to play with those kinds of unique style episodes Mm -hmm. you know he was the first one he was the one that did the you took the musical episode on and like things like he was willing characteristically willing on supernatural to be like we've never done something like this before but that sounds fun. Wait, really quick. Yeah. I'm, I'm blanking. What? Which episode was Safe House? Safe House is the one where uh, Sam and Dean are fighting a monster. And then we're flashing back to Rufus and Bobby a la like season four. And they're oh. also, and they're in the same house. Like that, that's what I want. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I just couldn't remember which episode that was. It is episode season 11, episode 16. <laughs> And, like, that's also one that, like, inserts itself into, like, a previously established Supernatural timeline. Like, we're seeing something we just didn't see the first time we went through. Which and like, is so literally that's, the premise yeah, of it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I feel like it's really doable. Um, and I felt like that was a good segue right into Dean Winchester's narration. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. <laughs> let's, uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's make a good segue. Um, okay, so... <laughs> There comes a time (laughs) you have to break from them and make your own way. If you're not careful, things can get pretty ugly. (laughs) (gasps) Part of me is like, I feel like there is so much there. And part of me is like, yes, babe, give us nothing. Like it's it's so vague. So little and so much (laughs) in in those sentences. Like I just I felt like like clown makeup was just being applied to my face with each (laughs) passing word like the fact that we're explicitly talking about the complexities of like a family raises you and breaking free of family narratives the fact that we're like and this episode was explicitly about that like (laughs) I have to believe that 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 thematically this is intentional 
And I don't know what to do with it if it is intentional. It's so incongruous with what Jensen has said about John Winchester in the past. Yes, thank you. Yeah. I don't know how we're getting this, but we're getting what we wanted. I just don't, didn't. I feel like I was gaslit for like several years. Every time Jensen would talk about John, I felt like I was being, I feel like I'm being gaslit now to be like, oh no, I always thought John's like relationship. Robbie Thompson sat him down and like explained to him who John was. Oh, the fandom feels? (laughs) Maybe it's like he had to sit here and say all that stuff because of the network. And now we're getting like Dean's feelings about John Jensen's version. I don't want to derail our current conversation. But this is highly relevant to the theory that I was telling you guys about. Oh, yes. yes. Please tell us the theory. Beth has legit legit printed out (laughs) transcripts. Yeah. Look, Elena, you were missing from from when we first started the Zoom. And I've already told these guys. But the question is, did I spend an hour and a half of my time at university yesterday looking up the transcripts for every single Robbie Thompson episode of Supernatural and using the control F function to find any mention of mother, father, mom, dad, parents, or (laughs) men of letters? The answer is, yes, I did. Uh, (laughs) I did then print them out and annotate them because, guys, I feel like we made an error. What did we do? What What have we done? So when we were, we did all of our pre-seasons episodes, we watched, you know, the flashback episodes, we watched the episode with Henry in prep for this. What we We didn't do. We should have been watching season one of Supernatural. What we didn't do is rewatch any fucking episode by Robbie Thompson. Yeah, that oh, was a little bit of a miss. Okay, and actually, I have to agree with you because the night of the pilot, that was what I did. I was like, I'm gonna watch Robbie's last episode on the show, and the shit that I found in that episode alone was wait, because what wasn't his last episode? Don't call me Shirley. Yes. Yeah. Which I rewatched this morning. Right. <laughs> I watched that yesterday <laughs> by accident. <laughs> by accident. I saw your message about that. And I went good because I have things to say about it. Oh, good. Let's so, let's bring it, bring it, please. So, I love that episode so much. I'm so, so glad we're I. here, but I feel underprepared. Okay, so I want to take a step back. So we're talking about Robbie's writing now. One of the things that yes. we know about the writers of Supernatural, more than I want to say, in my experience, more than any other show, who has written the episode is actually super important. Like very important. Like, and you know, you know what to sort of, you know, anticipate when different writers are coming up and you can follow their narrative threads. One of the things that Robbie's really well known for is obviously Charlie. He wrote every episode that she was in, excluding the one where she dies. Eileen is another, (laughs) you know, and so going through, it's like, oh, we should have fucking thought about Robbie's narrative things. And what brought me to this is that. So Naomi's dad, knowing that Naomi used to be a massive Supernatural fan, sent her the poster from the Winchesters. Do you remember the one that was really weird? It was like the hands that were the love heart. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. So, I don't like it still. <laughs> so here's the fucking thing about that poster. I just kind of dismissed it like, oh, it's just like a weird choice. But then at the end of this episode, we have that whole bit with the fucking witch. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And I can see everyone is talking about, oh, maybe it's Rowena. That seems to be the hot take on Twitter. Yeah. I'm like, I personally don't know if I vibe with that. Like, I love Rowena. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if it's a vibe for me. I don't want her to be the villain of this season. Neither do I. But what I did think about is I was like, hmm, we're getting a witch. Interesting. And then Naomi's dad had sent her the poster and she was showing me and sort of laughing about it. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. 
the hands in that poster have a distinctive green tinge. And I was like, hmm, what do we know about witches and the color green? And then it got me thinking about Robbie's fucking episodes. So 904 Slumber Party, where Dorothy and the Wicked Witch get stuck in the bunker. And then I want you to, I'm going to read you an excerpt from this. So this is Dorothy talking about her dad. Those books are the ravings of a sad old man, my father. (laughs) My father was obsessed with his work as a man of letters. And then I was born and nothing changed. He would keep his work a secret, but I was such a curious kid, always looking for trouble, always looking for the next big adventure. I met up with these three freedom fighters. They thought I was a child of destiny chosen to kill the wicked witch. And then it goes on to talk about the books that, you know, her father Mm -hmm. wrote. And she calls them revisionist history. My father's way of trying to undo what had happened to me, but I knew the truth. When the witch came to our world, I became a hunter and my father wrote those silly books. Charlie says, don't you get it? The books aren't silly. They're guidebooks filled with clues he left for you. Oh, I know. Oh, guys. No. <laughs> guys. Oh, no. <laughs> I then went on and I was like, hang on, isn't there another episode about Oz? And there is. It's when Charlie comes back. Mm-hmm. It's also. Which oh, is man. also written by Robbie Thompson. Yeah. It's also written by Robbie Thompson. <laughs> and Charlie oh. talks about the, the Battle of Emerald City. She describes Oz as wearing a hood, uh, said for us to win, I had to unleash my true darkness. And then she goes on saying, I keep calling her she, referring to the dark Charlie version, but she's me, I'm the one doing this. We also find out that there are six keys to Oz. We also find out that time passes differently in Oz, all in this episode. And then in Don't Call Me Shirley, the fucking dog is named Toto and Metatron specifically says, Toto, I don't think we're on Earth anymore. Now, if this is not enough of a Wizard of Oz reference (laughs) track history for you, I have another friend who is obsessed with the Wizard of Oz and I messaged them and I was like, hey, am I insane? Is there a link here? And so I sent him the clip from the end of the episode and he was like, no, there is absolutely a link here. Don't forget that the potion thing, whatever it is that the witch is sucking up at the end is ruby red. The whole glow over that scene is emerald green. I'm like, just, I'm, it's, it's just driving me insane. He sent me a snippet from the book. There's a whole description where it's talking about Uh, a pack of great wolves that had long legs and fierce eyes and sharp teeth go to these people said the witch tear them to pieces and like it just I don't know guys I I feel like I'm going mental I I just flashed violently back to the episode of queering things where Abigail and I messed up uh, the (laughs) the Wizard of Oz reference oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh man Oh, good times, good times. Um, <laughs> I feel unqualified to be here. <laughs> okay, but no, okay, but this is the thing. We were talking, we did talk to a little bit last week about, like, the idea that that this could be some other world. Yeah. That I'm not 100% convinced that, like, it is Oz, but I'm thinking, like, yeah. when we were doing but our pre-episodes, I was, like, making comparisons to Star Wars and Buffy, and now I'm thinking, like, maybe I was looking in the wrong direction. Maybe I should have been looking at Alice in Wonderland, The Wizard of Oz, The Chronicles of Narnia. Once Upon a Time, which John F. Showalter was a director on. Exactly, right? Which is, I'm sort of like looking through all of Robbie's work and so much of it is not only about what it means to be a parent, but it's also the theme of writing. Like 
He's, he yep. brings up the men of letters all the fucking time. There's this concept of a like warped stories and like unreliable narration specifically yep. by disappointing father figures and also an overwhelming theme of cowardice, which brings us back to this episode and John's whole thing about being like, I don't think my dad believed in me. You don't think that I am cut out for this. And even his whole like bit at the very end when he is confronting the monster of the week and they're sort of, mm-hmm. you know, giving him shit. There is actually an episode that Robbie wrote, and I've got a note here somewhere. Gadriel says to Dean, he thinks you're just a scared little boy who's afraid to be on his own because daddy never loved him enough. And he's right, isn't he? Right to think you're a coward, a sad, clingy, needy, pathetic, blah, blah, blah. And I just think it's interesting that we're getting those same confrontations from the same writer with the same themes. The family, the specific family dynamics that they're drawing on are parental abandonment and parental like disappointment and on the flip side of that there's also as illustrated with characters like charlie one of robbie's biggest strengths is the found family side of things and we're getting supreme amounts of that in this show so far and contrasting found family with disappointing biologic like with the disappointing yeah. chances and the mm-hmm. betrayal of like biological family mm-hmm. back to in metafiction so 918 that i just quoted oh a moment ago mm-hmm. gabriel says i always run from dad from the family i don't want to run anymore i want to do what i was meant to do lead and i think that that's really applicable when we look at mary in this episode and that discussion she have with, has with carlos where he's saying to her you know you've got samuel up on this pedestal time to take him down and see what kind of leader you can be without him which when you think about things like even like episodes like Lebanon um and like Lebanon's really controversial for its portrayal of John but one of the things that it does is you know illustrate what Sam and Dean have become without him like the fact that they couldn't become what they became if he had stayed alive that like his dying set them on an entirely different path and once they learned to stop kind of chasing his ghost and chasing what you know once they stopped putting him on that pedestal which is what we see in supernatural with both dean and sam after john is gone Mm -hmm. And, and particularly from that episode you get dean saying to his dad that he's good with how his life has turned out not because of john but in spite of him yeah yeah and then like in 1104 baby sam Mm -hmm. has that whole like dream kind of vision thing with john and john says to him i never wanted this for you boys this life not really i did my best anyway for what it's worth and sam you know says to dean when he wakes up he told me everything i wanted to hear and dean's like yeah that doesn't sound like dad like and this Mm -hmm. is another robbie episode Mm -hmm. so it's Mm. i think it's really i'm shocked that none of us suggest we go back and watch or or there look at any of these episodes it's a rewatch honestly but we really should have yeah like even if we didn't do it for the podcast i think just generally it would have made a lot of sense yeah that's the thing like i've i've actually done a like a robbie re- rewatch before <laughs> like before i even knew that the winchesters was happening like i had this one point where i just went through and i just watched all of his episodes over the course of like two weeks and it is it is a top tier supernatural viewing experience, I assure you. Anyway, so that was the thing that drove me insane this week. Uh, uh, yeah, so I am excited to see how that plays out because yeah. I think that that could play out in a number of different ways, and it'll be really interesting to see if that tracks through thematically. 
I really want the listeners to know how difficult it is that we like watch the episodes on like Tuesday and Wednesday and then like we record on Fridays and we just have to like hold all of this stuff in for a couple of days. <laughs> and like we do need those couple of days to like put the thoughts like coherently ish together, but like yeah, it's a hard couple of days to not be screaming at y'all. <laughs> yeah, and also oh, yeah. Uh, you know, there's like I see so much in that time. The one advantage is I do get to see so much like meta yes. and analysis and so many people's ideas and connections that sometimes you know flesh out my own my own initial mm-hmm. thoughts. Um, but yeah, it does it does kill a little bit to have to wait. Um, it does mean I get several watches in before we talk about it. I wanted to go back to Dean's narration because like before he says that whole thing about like breaking away from the family, he says, your parents raise you, teach you what's right and wrong, in some cases how to kill monsters. And the camera just like lingers on John and Mary. Like that's one of the directing lingering moments. It's just like lingering on the two of them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, those, but also, like, they're also both here because their parents fought monsters. Like, we're really, I don't and, know. And it's an interesting mirror because, like, so John, his father doesn't teach him to kill monsters. But he's still here. But he's still it. here. And then he will be the one to teach his sons. Mary has her parents teach her how to kill monsters, but she won't pass that along to her sons. Oh. Which I oh, think is a really right interesting to do flip. that. <laughs> I just think it's a really interesting flip. Like, who gets to pass on that, you know, who chooses to slash gets to pass on that hunting knowledge and skill? Like, it's interesting which parents. <laughs> who, who lives, who dies, who passes that. on hunting knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something I thought was going to be a really big deal this episode that it was not at all a big deal was in that scene. Uh, Like, they got jumped by the zombies or whatever. And, yeah. like, John gets some of the blood in his mouth. And yeah, I was like, definitely thought that was going to be a big concerned? deal. See, it was very, it was very, it was too early in the episode for it to be important, (laughs) was I think how I took it, is I was like, this is too early, and clearly they're not, this is not the, this is not the monster sweet. It was entirely meant to set up the hilarity of him that happening to him a second time at the end of the episode, like he just gets exploded on twice. Okay, John ruins two perfectly normal shirts in this episode. Mary puts on a white dress like a third of the way into this episode and it is spotless at the end of the episode. Can we talk about the dress for a second? Oh yeah, we can. Because I was losing my freaking mind over like the parallel. Like I just, I want to know why. Because there was, I forget which article, like which like outlet it was on but they had done some of the cast had done an interview for like the press tour and everything and they were talking about the costuming choices and in that same vein i think i don't think we talked about this but the uh the brooch like the bolo thing how like carlos is wearing <laughs> yes. fucking jensen's bolo from tombstone so, like, <laughs> yes i'm glad you i'm glad you're bringing this yeah up. we did yeah the, costu- the costuming choices were apparently extraordinarily deliberate and so i just like i just want to know why like i just want to crawl into their walls and get them to so just to to clarify the thing that's like important about this white dress is it looks like the nightgown that mary's wearing when she dies yeah like (laughs) the famous nightgown that like uh, we pointed out anytime anyone wears anything similar to well and somebody pointed out on twitter that allegedly that nightgown is supposed to be light pink and i'm like in what world it's has not. anyone ever treated it like that no it is and it's also Even if part it of is light pink they slapped the blue filter over all of the early seasons of supernatural <laughs> everything's blue washed <laughs> yeah and and it also is like I, I, and i don't know if, like if 
either any of y'all have ever talked about this on your respective shows, because this would have been before I joined Saving People Querying Things. But I love the fact in, in the pilot that there's that parallel of like the thing that they're hunting is the woman in white. Mm-hmm. And Mary mm-hmm. at the beginning of the episode is is this woman in white who dies. And Jess at and, the end. Yeah, and then Jess. So it's like you've got this parallel running throughout and then in the episode Teach Your Children Well, you throw Mary into a dress just like it. I just want answers. That's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, on the pilot of Supernatural, I did see someone mention, and I'm I'm so sorry, I can't remember who it was, but um, someone mentioned that in the pilot episode of the Winchesters, they are in New Orleans. They're talking about New Orleans. In the pilot episode of Supernatural, Dean comes in and says that he was wrapping up his own thing in New Orleans. Oh, I don't oh, know. Oh, oh, yeah, that's cool. cool. Which is just that. like a fun little little bits bitty bit that I was like, oh, yeah. I should chuck that in. That's anyway, that's sorry, completely unrelated. That's very fun, and 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 to maybe like that's a good segue into like talking about how much this felt like early season supernatural and like they talked in a lot of interviews about specifically early season supernatural being something they were drawing from a lot but I was glad to see that play out in a satisfying way like I I felt like I was watching an early season supernatural yeah um but not one of the ones that was super cringy one of the ones that was actually interesting yeah and I love the way that like it also does that classic like misdirect like you they get through like thinking it's three different monsters before Mm -hmm. they figure out what it actually is and i think that's something supernatural has always done really well true this is a small thing but and maybe someone else has a a reason that they think a character would do this but it seems like if you are a monster hunter like signing your shells and basically telling people giving people information about where you're hunting and who what you're hunting and that you're skilled seems not i don't understand it samuel is really reminding me of john in this way yeah, like it's just it's, like it's not actually very tactical like no, it's just kind of silly kind of like i'm showy it's showing off yeah. because what do you think of it as because it bugged me both times i, I watched. think somebody watched teen wolf before they wrote this episode <laughs> <laughs> oh that's not what i wanted to hear <laughs> okay and here's here's the reason so in the teen in teen wolf uh there's a family of hunters the argents they're a very famous family and um as you can tell their last name's argent which is french for silver and like they have a very specific ritual in which they make bullets as like a coming of age thing and like it's a very like personalized thing the, what i was gonna say though is i feel like that was and, and maybe i misread it but i thought that was like a he only he doesn't normally do this sort of thing but he was doing it in this instance because he was trying to like show mary where to go next but what i i read out of that too was more season one dean wants to read his dad's clues into everything even when his dad's not leaving them yeah and that's what i actually got from mary a lot is like her her being like oh you know he's clearly left this so that I'll find him. And like, clearly Samuel Campbell like doesn't seem to give a shit. And like, I mean, I'm extrapolating that because I don't like Samuel Campbell from what we know about him. Um, You're not alone in this episode. But but, like, no, that's a very fair take. Yeah. But like, but like, even regardless, like it just gave me the same vibes of like Dean all through season one, the way he was looking for John and the way he would interpret clues. And when we've actually met John, when we actually found John, we realized that's not like they John found them when John wanted to. He was not yeah. leaving breadcrumbs for them. I also thought that maybe Mary was overreading into this because of the fact that the bullets were there and Mary's like, he wouldn't have left the bullets unless there were a clue. But like he didn't have time to clean up the scene clearly because he left he didn't kill all of the zombies that were yeah. here. 
So like yeah, clearly sure. he like he was in and out. He was. So I also think she was reading too much into that. I don't think that Samuel wants Mary to find him. I think it's the same no, as Supernatural so. season one, where like John didn't want to be found, but he was still sending them on cases. Like I think that he intentionally yeah. wanted her to to know he was there because the yeah. fucking article was stabbed into that zombie, but not to find him. Not because well, Mary interprets it as he's going to be there. He's yeah. letting us follow him, whereas he's not. He's just giving you a case. Okay, that brings me to, like, my big thing I think that I'm going to bring to this episode, which is my, like, com- like com- like comparison between episode season one, episode two of Supernatural and season one, episode two of The Winchesters. Because yes. there are some Hit stuff here. It. Yes. Uh, so it starts here with them thinking that their dad's going to, like, Mary's dad's going to meet them on a case, which is the exact premise of Wendigo, Wendigo where they yeah. mm-hmm. John's gonna be in Colorado and then they get to Colorado and it's just a case he's not there yeah it's in the van scene Mary said my dad left me no where is it oh my god if someone else has something to say while I'm talking or while I'm looking at my notes I did not organize my notes as good as I thought I did <laughs> very quickly one thing I realized that I forgot to mention from my theory that I was kind of positing before is when they kill the Latunda in this episode, they stab her with her own leg to use her own magic against her. It's the same way they get rid of the Wicked Witch in the oh, yeah. Dorothy episode. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, that's true. Goodness. Yeah. So that was that was the other thing that I was like, oh, hang on a minute, that feels familiar. Uh, and that's, that's why true. I didn't talk episodes, why, but that's but... why. Okay, I'll start with like the really obvious thing, which is um, while I can't find the other thing, and then if the other thing comes back later, I'll bring it back up. But like the really obvious one is that the uh, after John gets taken and Mary like apologizes to Carlos and uh, Lotha, um, she's like, "I just wanted to close the case and move on," which is almost a direct quotation <laughs> from Wendigo, where mm-hmm. Sam says, "Dad's not here." I mean, we know that much for sure. He would have left us a message or a sign. And Dean says, "Yeah, to tell you the truth, I don't think Dad's ever been to Lost Creek." And then Sam says, "Then let's get these people back to town and let's hit the road, go find Dad." I mean, why are we still even here? Which immediately yeah. goes into the very first saving people hunting things, the family business of Supernatural. And there's a very similar thing at the end where mary's like hey like we killed a monster and like that's a good day in my book yeah that's a win that's still a win even if we didn't find my dad like it's still worth it that we're out here while i'm glad that they had mary do that apology i think it's important and i loved carlos and latha's reactions to it yeah i I do kind of wish they put it somewhere else in the episode because i do feel like they did not have time for it yeah it really interrupted the pacing and Mm -hmm. like i was like you are treating the fact that John has been kidnapped with enough urgency. Like you're freaking yeah. out that he's been kidnapped. And then you're immediately like, but wait a minute, I've got like, I'm going to say my little monologue and then we're going to have an emotional beat about it. I was like, guys, you don't have time. Do this later. And you also have no idea at that point if like she immediately kills her victims. Like you have no idea yeah. that he's not just like dead That's or imminently That's kind of a funny dying. point. I hadn't thought of that. Papa did say it could take months. But like, still, we could. Should, we could. could. She also said it was super duper painful. So like, maybe let's rescue. Her. In that like, uh, being the scene, Mary says, "I'm following in my father's footsteps." And then like, in like Wendigo, it's like I think Dad wants to to pick up where he left off. Like it is also uh, just to segue right into like uh, Abigail. Carlos does not like Samuel Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> Carlos, uh, I. Honestly, vibe so hard with Carlos uh, for many reasons. That is one Carlos of them. Carlos was giving me major Sam energy in this episode. I think <laughs> bitchy his... Sam, bitchy Sam energy. But like is... with his attitude towards Samuel Campbell specifically. Oh yeah. Like he was like, 
can you just listen for a second and like that reminded me of sam his like questioning authority his like his like questioning mary's just loyalty to samuel's way of doing things and basically like pointing out the inconsistencies of it was really nice i really like that they keep pointing out that uh, carlos is saying you know oh, so you're not going to listen like exactly like he never did. Like, you know, your dad never listened to you and how did that make you feel? And he's like actually voicing a lot of stuff, which is usually mm-hmm. left sort of to read between the lines. Yes. And so I think it's it's good. And I like that we it have a character that's cool. It doesn't feel like that too, though. Like, it, you know, like sometimes yeah, like, yeah. you know, like characters say things that are usually left to read between the lines and it feels like really heavy handed. It does not feel heavy handed from Carlos No, at it all. feels very authentically like he's actually just pointing this out. Mm-hmm. for Mary he's actually just challenging her on her like assumptions and on her patterns and I really like to go along with those like themes of like parental trauma like I really like that we're explicitly having the conversation about if you aren't careful the patterns you hate about your parents become the patterns you repeat and like mm. that being very much what Carlos is identifying for Mary going like you are treating everyone around you just like he treats you and you hate that mm. I also think it's interesting that in this particular case, we had the Latunda who her children tried to escape her by hobbling her. And like, maybe I'm remembering this wrong, but in the season one finale, didn't Sam shoot John in yeah, the leg? Shot John yeah, in the shot leg in with the, the leg. Oh, wow. Like, That's a parallel. parallel. Like talking about wow. early season supernatural and like father figures oh. and abusive parents, like yeah. that one stood out and, to me. <laughs> and like this version, like John has big season one Sam energy. Yeah. Big season one Sam energy. He's angry. He's stubborn. He won't listen to anyone. He is grieving. He doesn't really know what he wants. They're wearing the exact same clothes. That does remind me of one, (laughs) this is kind of a small point that I wanted to bring up um, as somebody we haven't talked about yet this episode. The whole thing with Ada. Yes. I have so much to say about Ada and like what a time to be alive that we are hearing a one john winchester be described as open yeah oh like, my god more open yeah. than henry when she said that i was like how fucking closed off was henry like <laughs> yeah, yeah also i was like this is some big lore about henry also she hasn't interacted with john that much her whole point being like oh henry told me about this i'm like when when henry disappeared john was like fucking four or five how would henry have possibly known this about john's personality like yeah yeah. i that was really weird to me as well i was like i don't i don't know where this is coming from got weird vibes off of ada throughout i don't know how i feel about ada right now um and i feel a little bit like she's kind of i feel weird like criticizing her but like a she's an adult and she's been hanging out with these kids for like a week between episodes (laughs) When Carlos and Latha and John all, like, try to get Mary to slow down for a minute, Ada says nothing. I forgot that she was with them for that whole opening Men of Letters bunker scene. I was like, wait, where did Ada come from? She's suddenly here. Because she says nothing. She does not argue with Mary. I can't tell because half of the time I'm like, I think I'm supposed to believe that Ada is, like, part of the Scooby gang. And the other half of the time she's, like, the wise mentor. And and I I cannot tell. Like, she's not in scenes with them. Yeah, yeah, I can't keep up with it, honestly. I I genuinely didn't even realize she was in the cold open yeah. until she like came out and was like, the files are gone. I was like, when did you get here? 
Yeah, like, she, she's is she a hunter? Is she a man of letters? Is she a psych? Like, I can't tell. I is she don't like know. a pseudo witch? Like, I cannot tell what she is. But it's just so weird that weird. she watched the other three of them take an issue with Mary and have Mary ignore them. And then she, as the actual adult present, like the, by far way older than all of them, does not exert any sort of authority over Mary in any way, doesn't even attempt it, like, just doesn't say anything. To be like, hey, your friends are upset. Presumably, like, based on her age and, like, what she's talked about with Henry, she is the most experienced person in this terms of the supernatural. She should know the most. And she is taking a backseat to Mary and Hey, Talata. Mary, your friend, like, your friends are upset and you need to, like, not. Just but she doesn't know Mary that well. Like, I can understand her not doing that because she just genuinely doesn't know Mary. Like, she has a vested interest in John because of Henry, but she doesn't know and then- Mary at all. <laughs> When Ada shows up at the garage, Ada assumes that Millie assumes that when she says she knew Henry, knew Henry. And I'm like, okay, like we know that Henry and Josie like had a thing kind of like (laughs) it's something. Something. Something some weird vibe was happening there. Which Uh, is maybe why she goes with it, because she's like, Well, Henry, we I know Henry was because she would have probably known Josie if she's connected. She probably also knew, knew Josie. That's true. And then I don't know, but like something about like when Latha calls for information and like wishes Ada good luck. I was like suddenly like I don't like the vibe of this scene. I don't I don't like that Ada's like here by herself. I don't I don't know how I feel. I feel like something's up with Ada, and I I'm just a little bit suspicious. I don't trust her for some reason, and I don't I don't know what it is. (laughs) I feel like she knows way more than she's letting on, and I can't figure out what what reason she has to withhold that information and that whole thing with the tea and the like the writing i'm like that's a question okay so like, okay yes i also have a question what is that. what is the line like especially like especially like looking at like samuel campbell and like mary specifically and like their family where does their family ethics draw the line like what's the difference between anything Aiden's is doing and any other witch that gets killed in the in supernatural like where what's the line between like which that needs to die and which that we're friends with and we hang out with this is an issue that i always took with supernatural as well like especially in terms of psychics because you have like for example gordon who's like sam needs to die and i'm like okay but what how is sam like different from missouri or pamela like to your knowledge because they don't know about the demon blood at that point Mm -hmm. i'm like what's the difference that's a really good point i also kind of take some issue or like i have some questions about her in my second watch I was like how does she explain what happens and she specifically says it's like tapping into her subconscious and I'm like that's not the mechanics of this doesn't make sense to me because that reads way more like a a, the kind of spell that's like just tap and this whole thing about like Oh, like a remnant of the demon that possessed you was never addressed in any of the possessions in 300 episodes of Supernatural. Yeah, yeah. that's new lore. New lore yeah. right there that rewrites <laughs> a lot of things in yeah. Supernatural. Yeah, like, it kind of reminded that. me of like the Sam Gadriel like storyline. Like, yeah, I had the same thought. Ugh, and I hate that storyline so much. <laughs> I like it for the Sam and Cass at RG, but like aside from that, I don't so like much. it. <laughs> But I don't know. I'm just, I'm not ready to trust Ada. And like, they didn't even like know she was in the like end scene. They didn't even know she was there. She just like pops out from behind a bookcase. Like, oh, hey, there's a whole half of this building that you guys didn't know existed. I'm just hanging out here. (laughs) It's like her, it's like she knows stuff, but she's not in charge for some reason. She got really possessed for some reason. And I feel like the demons possessed her to like learn something from her that she knew. Oh, 
I'm wondering I, but if she's not being very forthcoming about whatever that is I'm yeah, wondering if yeah. we're gonna get like a the man who would be king style episode where we get to see what the fuck Ada's been doing in all of these lapses oh, where we don't so see good. her because like we have no idea when she comes across this fucking underground cavey thing that she's doing her like psychic writings in we don't know when she finds that she just kind of walks into it and she doesn't seem surprised by it when she gets there she's making herself fucking at home do you want to know how broken i am (laughs) (laughs) what a sentence my gut response was well this is supernatural so like if ada's bad then yes we'll get something like that and if she's not then it'll just be a ginormous plot hole They'll just be like, she was kind of suspicious and we never addressed it. I hope what they're doing is intentional with her. Like, I hope she's suspicious. Yeah, yeah I hope suspicious so because she's actually suspicious. Whether or not she's, like, a, a good guy or a bad guy, like, I hope unquote. it's on purpose and not just, like, weird writing. But to be honest, I would kind of low-key hate that, though. That, like, you have, like, everybody was all excited. Like, oh, yay. Like, you know, we have, like, a like a Black woman who's, like, in the in this show. And exactly. She's the exactly. And that's the person you choose to make the suspicious, creepy one. Like, that would just be a weird flex. I do still feel good about the theory that Ada might be related to Missouri. Like, I do still feel good about that. And if that's where that's going, I'm fine with that. I feel I'm actually I'm 200% on board with the the Beth theory that we're going to get like a man who would be king sort of like one of those episodes where you you see like yeah. all of the stuff that she was Behind doing. Behind the curtain. Which yeah. is something yeah. we've talked about wanting a lot in this show because of their, the narration is they I think it, that is what they're doing with their narration where they're slowly giving us information and then they're going to reveal it all in episode 13. And if that's part of what they're doing is with Ada like if they're doing that on a smaller scale, I would be super into that. Hard agree. Whatever she was writing doesn't, I was trying to figure out if it was like script or language we had seen before. I then. didn't look at it too closely, to be honest. Um, I will say like in Teen Wolf, like it's a thing that like put, <laughs> there's a character who's like kind of a psychic. She's a banshee. It's her thing. I don't know who's familiar with Teen Wolf or who's not. Only but, like, a little. A part, like there's a whole thing where like, part of like Lydia's thing is she has a hard time like accessing her powers at will and so like sometimes they'll like try a bunch of shit to make her see the future you know when they like we really need to know some more information and one of the things that they'll do is this autonomic writing where they put her in a trance and then like she just like writes something and like sometimes it's helpful like that's very very similar to what this is or exactly kind of portraying this as and so like I'm but I'm just like, what it like this, this felt very magic to me also. Like this whole like going into a trance thing. And it oh, wasn't yeah. like it's... a Prius, it wasn't like a like you know, like African jury or something that's like really like well established in supernatural. Like it's just like something that's happening. It's something, it's a spell. Like the closest thing it reminded me of was the prophets, like the angel tablets, yeah. the demon tablets, oh, yeah. and like Kevin's whole like trance thing. This did have some Kevin energy. Oh, what if Ada's a prophet? I do think that would be I have Psychic Lathika on my bingo card, but I wouldn't be mad if we had Psychic Ada instead. Like some kind of, like like you said, maybe she's somehow related to Missouri. I think that, I think that's why I, I was like, I think like I, in my brain, I was like Psychic Ada, Ada, Missouri, mostly are related. Like, I think that's yeah. why I went that way. Like, I don't think I like verbalized that, but I think that's why I ended up in that direction. I have a question for y'all that's like in a totally different direction. Who do we think Betty is and do we think oh, we're yes. going to meet Betty? Um, I think <laughs> I we absolutely so. are going to meet Betty. I think we're going to meet Betty. I don't think they would ever inflict a line like probably an ex to mm. not have her come up. 
I'm not 100% convinced we're going to meet her. I think she's going to be a, there's going to be at least another reference. Like, I don't think it's going to be a reference they're not going to come back to in some way. But also, and this is probably just because, so for listeners, as we're recording this, the new Taylor Swift album, like this came out today. (laughs) So this could just be my Swifty brain talking. But, like, the idea that, like, Betty could be, like, one of John's exes, like, oh my god, but, like, what if she ended up, like, with Lapa instead? That'd be really great. Anyway. <laughs> that's that's my absolute, like, raccoon brain okay. theory. I also saw someone on Twitter, and I don't remember who it was, be like, be like, what if Betty is Millie's ex? And I was like, I, I was just that. about to say that. I- <laughs> oh, oh, yay. We get to check that off our bingo cards. <laughs> Something about, uh... Millie being like really not here for the Mana Letters hunting lifestyle made me like really just like take a minute and be like, what happens to Millie? Why is she not immediately here in 1983 to take care of Sailor I think that something, I mean, I think we've we've known for a while that the likelihood of something really bad happening to Millie is really high. I think that now knowing that she was not a fan of the Man of Letters, she was confirmation she knows, which is which was on my bingo card. I'm really excited. (laughs) yeah yeah I think that Millie Millie is one of the most interesting characters to me um and again I confirming what I think was on my bingo card was just like Millie is the character I am the most concerned about yeah in this show I think there is a chance that Lata and Carlos like I don't I think it's you know I go either way I think they might not make it out of this series but they might and I think they could be written out in a way that would make sense I think Millie the only way we get like with canon i just don't see it's not good for mary for millie yeah i feel like carlos and lata are probably both going to be written out via a memory wipe and then they're like it's very like not to be spoilery of anyone who may have not seen doctor who but almost kind of like a like a donna and the doctor sort of thing where it's like you know john and mary are made to forget about them Mm -hmm. and it would be dangerous if they were to ever interact with lata or carlos again for the sake of like their memories or whatever so like the same as like Sam with the like the Lucifer brain wall yeah. thing. Yeah, like, don't like scratch the wall. The wall. And it could <laughs> also be, and that would also like potentially if they are in you know hunting circles still. The scene in whatever season where Sam is talking on the phone with Carlos. Where scenes where Sam is on the phone with a hunter named Carlos, like would still could still theoretically be the same Carlos. Yeah, with no That's real my issues. Favorite galaxy brain theory. I just I... like the idea that he is going to not be dead. Yeah, yeah I know, but I don't feel the same. I feel very I, worried yeah, for Millie. I'm really worried for Millie. I really, I, I was a Millie Winchester stand from like the moment that we got. Well, and it's not like parental figures or actual parents have a good track record of survival. In this, this episode series. turned me into a Lapa stand too. So like, yes. now I don't want anything to happen to her. <laughs> Because this episode convinced me that I was. Like, last week, I'm like, okay, I'm vibing with what we're getting. This week, I was like, oh my god, this is a baby. <laughs> I just, when, I have to say, I this is, like, my one, like, goofy moment that I have to bring up. When Carlos started singing Age of Aquarius, I was, I was sent, like, just out of my body. It was so yeah. great. And I loved it so much. I did not see that. Okay, so I'm watching this with my partner and he just like loses it when we get to the when all of a sudden they're all singing and they're dead he's like what is happening right now because he does theater right he does theater yeah so he's in theater um and also i think just it was not it was not what he was expecting because again he's seen 
the first couple of seasons of Supernatural. So his most of his, all of his Supernatural experience comes from the first couple of seasons. So, you know, we got to the Monster of the Week at the beginning and he was like, he was like, oh yeah, they're going to die. Like he, he, he could follow the pattern. He was vibing with the connection with the earlier seasons, which I thought was interesting. But yeah, the musical one like threw him off because I just like sat up in my seat and was like, this is the best thing that okay. could possibly have happened in this episode. Um, I'm here for it. And he I'm was just like, really what is happening? That like, I didn't put that on my bingo card because as somebody who's like seen hair on Broadway, that was a thing. Like, I remember thinking that about the show being like, I hope we get an Age of Aquarius reference at some point. And I'm really mad <laughs> I didn't put it on my bingo card because the second he started singing, I was like, God damn it, Elena. <laughs> we got to talk about aliases. Yes, okay. <laughs> I did so much specifically mary and her pop culture references mick fleetwood and christine mcvee are the two aliases so mick fleetwood is of course one of the like founding members of fleetwood mac uh and then christine mcvee aka christine perfect joined the band in 1970 when she married the band's bassist john mcvee and then okay it goes it keeps going from there because then john asks mary if she wants him to lay it all down which is the name of one of their songs off their 1971 album future games and the song is about moses wow well, <laughs> well and i well. i pulled a bath i pulled some lyrics so first uh there's lay down your burden of sorrow lay down your burden of hurt lay it all down for paradise on earth and i was like do Winchester, maybe on a mission post-death on a day pass from heaven doesn't seem to be resting in peace <laughs> <laughs> uh i also if i could really quick one comment i want to make about music in relation to the episode this was something i posted on the wayward uh parents podcast uh twitter account was it just if there's one thing we can say for sure about Robbie, it's that the man is a simp for using episode titles that are oh, from yeah. songs. I yes. have a whole I have a whole because, thing on Yeah, because Teacher also. Children Well <laughs> is used as that montage towards the end in the mm-hmm. same way that it's used for Goodbye Stranger, which is yeah. my that's in my top three favorite supernatural episodes ever. Um and, it's a and to do episode. some of the thematic work that he's doing. I can't wait to get to the point where I'm rewatching that episode because like I haven't I mean, I guess I did kind of recently rewatch it, and like it's an episode I like, but like you really like it. <laughs> I really do. I'm an absolute like dork for it because because it's the I need you slash I love you line, and yeah. that just sends me to. I will say Meg in that episode does make me feel things. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I, um, I travel to other dimensions when I watch that episode. But thematically, what that episode is doing with music and its title is very similar to this. It's very similar to this. Yeah. Where they're yeah. going, these are the themes we want you to take away from this. And the question, yeah. and the big question of, you know, like teaching your children well, like right there. Yeah. So, another line from uh, Lay It All Down by Fleetwood Mac is Let me retell a story of old about a man named Moses who lived long ago. He prophesied good, he prophesied bad, and now that prophecy's coming to pass. And I was like, "Mm, (laughs) Oh no. I don't like those implications. And uh, we're revisiting a story that we thought we knew. Uh, And then another one I picked up was a whole lot of people, including myself, thought the story of Moses was just a tall tale, but all of the things we see going on are just what Moses said down. And I was like, "Mm." Here we are. And then I was immediately reminded of the Drake Rogers quote about Mary being doomed to repeat her arc. Yep. Which is the whole thing. Moses has a comparison to Dean. Like, they're both tasked to do, like, a monumental thing, which they get told that they're tasked to do by an angel of the Lord. And then God makes completing that already really hard task basically impossible by trying to kill them a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, And then they die before they, like get to like enjoy the like fruits of their I love which is we... also very um don't call me Shirley sort of like esque too of like the yeah the writer 
who is mostly trying to tell an entertaining story for his own sake mm-hmm. and who actually doesn't really give a shit like it and you know who's who only takes feedback if it benefits him I love that we've been in this show for like five whole minutes and there's like already this level of depth to the <laughs> religious symbolism like yep in true supernatural fashion thank goodness yeah they they understood the assignment with this show and then also in that scene john is dressed exactly like sam from dean's wish first in season two and then he also behaves exactly like sam where he's like stumbling over the story like when he go- like when they knock on the door like he talks like oh, sam and he's dressed I did like not sam. Clock that. i don't clock <laughs> the outfit i did not clock the acting we had claudia at Octofine on Twitter asks specifically, could we take a moment to notice how much young John is like Sam? So this seems yeah. like a good Always. moment to segue. <laughs> and I said, absolutely we can. So yeah. <laughs> this seems like a good moment for that. John's confrontation with Millie. Drake Roger, all my kudos to you. He said he was trying to channel early Sam and Dean in his and he is doing it. Um so that scene with Millie in front of the garage where he yells at her it's it's I'm like that is the John that we we are going to see and he is like the the that and that's also so much of like season end of season one Sam confronting John and going like you're not listening to me you were never listening to me like you were the one that said don't come back dad you know like all of these things only the thing is the difference with John and and Sam is that Sam was absolutely correct and with Millie and John it, this yeah. is all in John's head. Like he has created this persona for Millie that is not, doesn't, at least from all the evidence we have, does not seem to be accurate to what she actually Yeah, wants. her line mm-hmm. that really broke my heart was when she's like, you know, I spent this week like going through a box of your father's yeah. things. Is that going to be all I have left of you? It, it was one of those moments, and I feel like we're going to get a ton of those throughout this series where we're just going to like, somebody is going to say something to either John or Mary and for that brief moment, we're going to remember that we know exactly how both of their stories end. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to really, really, really hurt. It really threw my brain into home and the box that that lady finds in yeah. the house and oh, gives to Dean. I didn't think And about it's that. like the dad card <laughs> and the photos and like that, that really threw me there. It really threw me there. But also the line where John says, like, I was angry at dad and I did what I always do, which is take out on you what I can't take Mm -hmm. out on him. And I think that is massively indicative of, like, John looking forward. Oh, yeah. He's going to take out on his sons. Yeah. John was so angry about his whole situation, but he couldn't do anything about it. So he took it out on everyone around him. Yeah. Did anyone else like write down that line and then write 1509? Yeah. <laughs> I as yeah. as he was giving that whole spiel, I was just like, oh no, it's the trap. <laughs> yeah, the whole like idea that again you you take out your own trauma on like the people, the people... who are still there. Yeah. And like, and you know, like he's gonna John's gonna take out his anger at the uh, at the yellow eyed demon his like rage and his despair on you know his children and on every other hunter around him after he loses mary and this is where we see that kind of like hint to it and i really appreciate that even at the end of the episode when they do he goes and resolves things with millie it's not he doesn't resolve that part of it did not come across to me like he actually understood why millie was concerned and what and that he actually was really making an effort to change that i think this is going to be an ongoing source of tension through the season Mm -hmm. like i think i I agree with you it doesn't feel resolved i think that it's going to be one of those things that they keep touching back to 
Well, because also when you think about his age, because even though, yes, he's just, you know, come back from a war, he's He's still a very young person. And when you are that young, you you butt heads with your parents so much because you are in a a place where you're coming into your own. And so Mm -hmm. you think that you know everything and your parents knowing like with their advanced age, know that you don't know everything and that you're going to realize that eventually. And so they're doing their best to to navigate you through those waters and it's yeah and it's it's really fucking difficult to do like you can't there are certain things that not because of any lack of like you know guidance or understanding but just there are certain things that at a certain age you can't understand not because you're immature or not because you've done anything wrong but just because you haven't you literally haven't lived long enough yet and so i that's just i think the title of this episode and and that particular point like really it's well done i do have a end of series prediction based on this based on this scene though the whole i love you rule like after we have an Mm -hmm. argument we have to say Mm -hmm. i'm gonna say i'm gonna say right now i think that when they end the series they're gonna make a point that when you know in the pilot of supernatural when john is not sleeping in their bedroom he's sleeping Mm -hmm. downstairs in front of the the tv i'm gonna say right now they had a fight that night he did not follow the i love you rule and then she died that is my prediction i'm calling it right fucking now so whenever the seat like this is like a series ending not just a this is a series ending i think that they're gonna end on they have a fight john doesn't come to bed he doesn't say i love you he doesn't follow the rule and then mary dies as soon as they saw that scene i was like that is what i would do for maximum impact, that is what I would and do. Because it yeah. and because it, it shows the different. It shows that regardless of this being established, John is not going to learn that lesson. Like John is not going to take to heart this. Advice. That is not at all where I thought that was going. <laughs> That's I an just incredible think it theory. Really, really emphasizes the point of like not learning from your parents mistakes and falling into the same patterns and I think that that is something that this episode in particular really underlines I think it's going to come back up again as well and with the character death I just think that death's going to be Millie's yeah I do think that we might get it from her yeah like I think we will I like her better I think that might be our signifier (laughs) though of of the fact that she is not going to make it and that we're going to get that kind of scene beforehand and we're gonna know we're gonna have we're gonna have some foreshadowing in whatever episode we lose her that's going to include that kind of a scene. I am really curious as to when they're gonna catch up to Samuel Campbell because I think if there's a time where Samuel Campbell and John are like somewhat coexisting as hunters, I think we're gonna get a little bit of like hero worship from John. Oh, Just- that's a good theory. Yeah, because the way they're painting Samuel and the way that we know John is like fucking a mirror image. Identical. Yeah, like like John is Sam and Dean coded, but Samuel Campbell is John, like later John coded. Late John coded. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I have a thought on this. And like, yes, like memory wipe, blah, 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 blah. But like- I think this is where John gets the idea to do what he does. (laughs) Yeah, I think so too. But I'm thinking about specifically in 403, where- there's there's the tension between Samuel and Mary because and Samuel like scoffs and goes like about John and so I mean goes you know it's pretty nice for a civilian and I 
this is this is this is gonna be a real god spray takes okay so so mary we know mary and john get obviously have to get mind wiped they don't remember mm-hmm. i wonder if samuel doesn't i wonder if samuel oh. is not mind wiped and john being a civilian is even more reprehensible to him because john didn't used to be a civilian because john was in and john is now now not and i i don't think it's likely but i would love that for the characterization of why samuel like i would love to see samuel and john's relationship and then i would love to see it go to shit because of whatever ends up happening but Samuel still retained that and that to be actually a source of like tension between him and Mary and a source of tension between him and John when in their early marriage, even if they don't know, even if they don't know that's why. We've spent so long, the four of us talking about like how John's idea of masculinity like transferred onto Sam and Dean. And like, I like, that's just why I think like so much of, of, of what we know so far about Samuel is, just like season one and two, John, like the ballad of the Campbell Way or the Highway is like John Winchester. <laughs> yeah. 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 I I gotta say though, I am a little frustrated that we've now made it through two entire episodes with all of this discussion about, you know, parents and parental trauma and, you know, teach your children well. Mm-hmm. Where the fuck where is the Deanna? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Where is she? And where is any mention of her? Because like I could I could almost right? be okay with not seeing her if she had been mentioned, but she has not been mentioned by Mary. She doesn't seem to care where Mary is. She doesn't seem to care that Samuel's missing. Or Mary is running away from her, and Mary doesn't seem to care about her, which there's is- been no mention of her of their relationship at all. Like John has talked about his relationship with Millie to Mary specifically so much and carlos hasn't brought it up lots of haven't brought it up and they, and they clearly know samuel yeah where the fuck is deanna <laughs> and yeah. why is nobody talking about her they yeah that's my number that. one gripe that i'm having so far is i'm like are we like there better be a good reason i hope I- that next like next i don't want to talk about next week yet but i hope that next week is like the mystery of deanna campbell is answered. yeah I, I like i will be okay with it if they give us a like good explanation yeah you know? like i i i just need them to like actually follow through and give us while we're on the point of plot holes i want to get this whole i i want to uh, we kind of talked about it last week but with the whole like henry <laughs> picking out the jasmine uh that's like growing outside of the garage i'm once again left with how long have they lived in lawrence why were they in normal illinois when henry went missing yeah where the fuck did they live? <laughs> uh, good point. I'm still confused about what happened to Norm Illinois, where John was born and sort of raised. Like, and it's not like Norm Illinois and Lawrence, Kansas are like super far away, but you're not like commuting between them every day. Like, let's. That's not realistic. Six hour, six and a half hour drive no, between those no. two places. So, like, unless Henry is whipping out the like soul traveling <laughs> fucking magic bullshit every fucking Tuesday to get to work I don't think true. that's <laughs> that's true I mean I'm guessing he was not doing <laughs> that seems against general men of letters likely men of letters protocol it would be very funny if it was true Carlos a bit we haven't really talked about Carlos and let's do that because he was big mad about Mary uh, emulating Samuel I want that back. It's a song at a moment's notice. Like, (laughs) I want to know where the hell he pulled that tambourine from because I don't remember seeing a tambourine and then all of a sudden it was there. I don't know. (laughs) 
He had a guitar. He just had it. He just had it around. I like it so much. <laughs> I do love, though, that we get that it's Carlos who started the tradition of using musician names as covers. Like, I love yeah. that that is not yeah. a thing that was John or Mary. It was Carlos. I just, I adore that. Now, every time I watch Supernatural, I'm going to be like, oh, look at them continuing the it's tradition. Carlos. When Cass pulls out an, an Agent Swift or an Agent Beyonce, like, that's because of Carlos and his Fleetwood Mac rocks. <laughs> this bisexual character is has a ripple effect. I love that they're establishing that he's had a... Carlos also was giving me Sam Winchester vibes, though. Mary says she appreciates Latha and in the same breath entirely dismisses everything that she's saying. And Carlos, his entire body tenses, his facial expression gave me the most... Sam Winchester in uh, Dead Man's Blood energy that I have ever got. <laughs> that's, the, that's the episode, which also Drake has said is one of his favorite episodes. Specifically, Drake has identified that episode. I'm, I'm very confused about how long the three of them have been friends. <laughs> yeah, I'm really hoping that gets addressed. And I and I, I which ones of them were friends first, which I'm unclear of. I'm unclear about the timeline yeah. of their all their friendship. Like who was friends who with who. I was going to say, I'm getting the vibe that maybe Carlos and Mary know, like, in my brain, this is how I've just kind of decided mm-hmm. it is with no fucking explanation. But basically, in my brain, I see Carlos uh, knowing Mary from when they were really young, I yep. think because of hunting somehow, right? And, like, Carlos says he got into hunting because the ghoul, like, killed his family. I feel like maybe, say, like, Samuel was hunting the ghoul. Like, maybe that's, you know, a, a connection somewhere there. I feel like... I feel like maybe they've known each other since they were young. And Latha gives me the impression that it's a recent addition, but not that recent. Like, like within the last two years. From some things she said in the pilot, I would, I would also... Yeah, that's, that's my assumption as well. Because, like, this episode made me think that they've known each other, like, significantly longer than I thought. Um, and so I guess it's time to talk about Cabaret. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a segue. What a beautiful, wonderful segue. Mary doesn't like cabaret and it's a huge point of contention in there. As it should be. (laughs) I actually don't know a lot about cabaret as far as musicals go. Like I know a lot of musicals and cabaret is not super one of them. It's iconic. I'm assuming that the reason that this is a point of contention in the relationship is because cabaret came out as like a movie musical on February 13th, 1972. So like pretty recently. Well, it was already a popular musical when it became a movie, if if memory serves. But I'm assuming the reason that Mary was like exposed to it seemingly against her will was because it just came out as a movie earlier in the year that they are in. But like it's a musical that's like kind of set against like the backdrop of the rise of fascism in 1920s and 30s Germany and there's some questionable queer representation. But it's a really iconic musical and a really iconic the film's really iconic. It stars Liza Minnelli. Um, I'm sure most people know the songs Cabaret and maybe this time if you're going to know any two songs from Cabaret. Uh, Such a a great specific character choice. I don't know why I felt like you know like there's like such a thing like and we know like Carlos you know has already been like subjected to a few stereotypes but there is such a stereotype about like queer people and musical theater and like I don't know why I thought Carlos wouldn't be a musical theater guy considering like he we know he likes music but like I was still a little caught off guard by his uh like adamant like love of cabaret (laughs) he pulls a tambourine out of fucking nowhere he cares deeply about cabaret he's written by Robbie Thompson he's just he's clearly a musical nerd (laughs) 
I've adjusted my expectations accordingly. <laughs> um, Carla also calls Mary out for being like a mini Samuel. Like in that scene, I was like, big ass season Samuel one, like season one Samuel D yeah. vibes. Like that is. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, if we're going with the like Mary has been, has so many of Dean's sort of like attitudes and. I do think that they got a little bit heavy handed with Carlos and Mary with the Crosby, Stills and Nash and Young like references. Obviously, like a reference to the episode title, um, which is like one of the band's like three hit singles off their 1970 album, Deja Vu. And the band was kind of a wreck the entire time that they were together. And they fired <laughs> Stills in 1970 and they promptly broke up. So like maybe not actually the leadership that we want, actually. Because like <laughs> not the change we want to see in the world. Yeah. Like and it comes back at the end of the episode. Mary kind of like leans into it a little bit about being Crosby and Carlos is like, well, obviously I'm Neil Young, part of the band, but also <laughs> running it. I'm a big Neil Young fan. That is who I'm a fan of. <laughs> so I appreciate that. But I was like, okay, it's a little bit much for the episode. <laughs> But I love Carlos. It did make me very endeared to Carlos. Yeah, Carlos is just continuing to, like, squirrel away parts of my heart in a jar somewhere because I I love them so much. I also just have a really, really strong, like, Lata, like, we... Oh, I became a Lata stand in this episode. We talked about how we wanted to see more Lata, and we got to see more Lata, and she is... I think she had the best outfit. I'm not gonna lie. I think she had yeah. the best yes. outfit. Oh, 100%. She has the best Listen, outfit. Listen, when so that good. thread, when when that little goofy thread that we posted on Twitter and <laughs> Jamie from Driver Picks the Podcast was like, oh, this is clearly the host of Wayward Parents. When when she said that I was Latha, I was like, this is the most accomplished I'm gonna feel all week. Just... I love that you guys all jumped on the bandwagon of calling me John, though. I'm just gonna... <laughs> no, but like... <laughs> But but John in this series is like a freaking so golden retriever. Good. I just want to give him a hug, and that that's very you. He literally oh. is giving golden retriever by energy. Like that is. is what he is and giving. Like, and like we're talking about him, his connections to like early season Sam. I fucking adore early season Sam. Okay, early like, I love that kid I'm a Sam so much. Stan. I love that kid so so much. Lava like, is yeah. in this episode so perfect. She's so she looks smart. so good. She looks. She's so smart. Uh, I want to okay we already talked about the other thing that I got wrong something I thought when we first saw this like monster and the flowers and stuff I was like is this like a muse situation I thought that too especially because Robbie wrote that episode I thought the exact same thing I thought that too as well I was like we've seen this before my first watch was with a bunch of people from the queering things discord and like we were in I said that in the chat and everyone was like no I don't think so and I was like guys it's literally the exact same thing it's a purple flower. And like the scarecrow, yeah. like shapeshifter thing. Like, I think they could have done something so cool if they had done that. And it would have been such a cool callback. And then that wasn't where I went. I was like, okay. But anyway, Latha was like, I don't think this is what you think it is. And then she calls Ada and Ada like confirms where she should look. And she's so excited that she has the book that she needs. Like she doesn't need Ada to go do the research for her. And I was like, I love Latha so much in this moment. She gave me little spark of charlie in that moment and i Lata is giving me huge charlie vibes and that's why i think she's becoming my fast favorite i don't super like that latha is like a self-proclaimed pacifist like she's not gonna be fighting no one's teaching her how to fight and they still are like uh john's been kidnapped 
um, we have to go. And they track down where, where they think they have to go. And they bring Latha to this fight, even though that they know that if something goes wrong, Latha probably does not have the tools she needs to defend herself. <laughs> and it's the second episode in a row they've done that. I think they don't know what they're doing. And I like, this is my one worry with the writing with that is that I, that they don't know what role she's playing. And that, so that they're just sort of like, we want to have her around. So they're putting her in scenes that don't. That's work. how I feel about Ada. Yeah. She either needs to be in like a Bobby capacity where they call her in or they need to be like, okay, we're going to start teaching you how to fight. I'm yeah, really scared something yeah. really bad's going to happen to her because of I this. I feel like, like if you combine latha and ada you get like giles from buffy yeah one thing that i did want to talk about that i don't think we really have yet is that mary is straight up ignoring the evidence right in front of her because she is so blinded by this like preconceived notion that she's already solved the problem she's already like no we we fixed this we figured it out that's happened in so many episodes of Supernatural. The sheer amount of, like, Dean that I'm seeing in Mary is, like, it's really weird to see them kind because, of, like, there are certain Dean traits that I've seen John embodying so far, but really, for the most part in these first two episodes, it is very much felt like, you know, John is Sam and Mary is Dean. Abigail actually sent, uh, so the Winchester's official Twitter page put out a poll asking who does Dean Winchester oh, get God. his mannerisms from most? And I went and voted on it and I voted for Mary. And when it shows you the results, it's got Mary at 75%. Like, yeah, like people, it's not just us being like, damn, they're really going hard on this. But like, that's always been a thing, like since the original was, show too. Was yeah, like, Dean was oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. very coded. Yeah. But I do think it's interesting that they one put it as a poll uh, but two it's very validating to see like oh it's not just like this group of people that i have amassed around me it's like no strangers this is the, share this the fandom itself is is seeing this yeah this is two and a half thousand votes in how shocked carlos and Martha both were that like mary apologized because a big thing i really hate about dean not that i hate Dean, i love dean but a big <laughs> issue i have with dean winchester especially in seasons i want to say like nine through 15 is that dean does not apologize no <laughs> he is sweet baby not a good he, apologizer he struggles there i want to bring up one more musical reference because Car- i think it's carlos makes a comment about audrey three and like audrey two is the oh yeah <laughs> little shop of papers. yeah nice nice that Which was good. just a movie um, in 1968, but in 1986, post like the Winchester timeline, it was turned into a musical. And it's a very, I really like the soundtrack of Little Shop of Horrors. Love it. Mary and Carlos feel like Sam and Dean. Like they have a very sibling vibes. And then I'm they like, do. Latha is their season seven pacifist cast who just like knows useful things for them, but won't help them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I love that. I still like, I, I'm holding on to like my, my ace Latha theory for now. I would like ace Latha actually. I would really be into that. I really like the Mary and Carlos tension though. Like I like that yeah. there's a bit of. But also, yeah, because they're, more they're so. On that for sure. They're so argumentative, but like the moment, and and I remember seeing it in the preview for this episode before it actually came out, the moment when he's like, you know, singing Age of the Aquarius and he's like Mm -hmm. hugging her and he like kisses her on the cheek was just such a like tender friend moment. And it made me so, so happy. And I'm just like, the two of you want to 
throat punch each other, but also you would literally murder someone if anybody did anything to hurt either of you. Sibling dynamics. Yeah, I really hope that we see, as Mary and John's relationship develops, I hope that we see some interesting interplay with Carlos in that because- I am actually more concerned, I'm even more concerned this week than I was last week about how messy this is going to get. Like I I want Mary, I want that Carlos and Mary thing to be resolved, but- Lotha was very interested in John's ex. <laughs> oh no. Also had another couple of scenes where it was just the two of them. And also like John and Mary had a moment when they were like driving from Savannah back to Lawrence so that they could have that fight with Millie. And Lotha and Carlos are in the van, but they're not in the scene at all. Like you can't see them. They're not in the background. Like they're just not present. I'm glad that John and Mary's relationship is feeling really like quite organic. Like considering we have yes. kind of already know that they've been set up and there's like, it's not yeah. really- obvious in the show itself yet we already know that from supernatural but i do like that it feels like they've got a little banter going like it's it feels like it's gonna be a little bit more of a slow burn than i was expecting they have cute moments when they're alone driving together and then like when they're yeah. not alone driving together like they're just like part of the group and like i kind of like, like that, that they're for not them. centering their relationship as the only relationship that either of them has in this well story. but one specific thing i want to point out about their relationship and this is probably going to be like my last like big point of like things i want to talk about the fact that like mary seems to have this dynamic with john that she does not have with anybody else where john will be sitting there and it's, it's happened in both episodes where he's articulating something really crappy that he's experiencing and going through mm-hmm. and mary just has this very soft encouraging and like understanding demeanor towards him like because in the first episode it was the whole you know i think i'm being haunted and she's like well mm-hmm. let's describe it let's work our way through it and then this episode it was the you know, I, I was so good at being a scout and I'm terrible at being a hunter. And she gets this really soft, like, well, did you learn to be a scout overnight? It's almost like Mary's putting on like a kindergarten teacher voice. And it makes me really happy because like, I don't think John has ever had somebody treat him that way. And you can kind of see it in how Drake is playing it. That like, that's part of what's making him fall in love with Mary is that she's being gentle with him in a way that nobody else ever really has been. I think that's a really beautiful point, Elena. Like, I think, yeah, I don't really have anything yeah. to add. I think you just very eloquently <laughs> yeah. and beautifully explained yeah. that. Yeah. Why yeah. that scene we all went deadly so well. silent. And it's not the I didn't know I was going to ramble for that long. <laughs> no, it was a point that needed stating and you stated it. <laughs> I have one very quick thing which is like it's not really a point for discussion but I do just want to point it out I first of all I really love that Mary's hair is no longer fully straightened because I'm not gonna lie I that was something <laughs> that just did niggle me a little bit in the in the pilot I really mm-hmm. disliked the straight hair of Mary because we don't see it ever in the rest of no. the show she's yeah. always got curl even like in either the flashbacks or even season 11 you know oh sorry season 12 on even when it's short it's curl like there's just I, yeah. It did really actually bother me. I wasn't going to point it out because I was like, whatever, but I'm so glad that they've reverted and it's bouncy. I'm like, yes, please, yeah. let's keep that. Cute. It's just cuter. I just like it better. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it It suits her personality better somehow. Yeah. But I wanted to just very quickly talk about set design. In the cold open, on the like pillars that are around them, there are spray painted letters and numbers and this might be my Taylor Swift brain again. Like we said, we've just got midnight. <laughs> so it's like, you know, the Easter eggs are on the brain. 
But the letters and numbers were E3, D4, D5, C3, C4, and D6. I don't really know some if it's... sort of filing system of some kind. Yeah, well, the only thing that only thing that I could think of because I saw C three and C four, and it made me think of like vertebrae. Yeah, um, <laughs> and then I was like D four. I was like thinking of like Dungeons and Dragons, and then I was like, well, going with like the whole sort of theme of like maybe we're looking at more a medieval magic take. But I've got no idea what E three could be about, and honestly, it could be nothing. But I just wanted to say it in case it's not nothing, <laughs> and it does become relevant later. Because they're very clear and especially like they're they're very clearly central in the shot around Mary when she's talking as well. It could just be like how like the room is organized, but also like when I when you said that, I thought chessboard. Oh yeah, actually that's oh, a good Oh, that's a really good oh, I don't theory. About oh. Chess to... <laughs> oh, okay. Not to Okay, give us your give us your your best galaxy brain. Not to take us full circle back to my original bullshit about Robbie Thompson's other episodes, <laughs> but in the first episode with Dorothy, the chess board, like they're the two yeah, guys who are chess. stationed at the bunker, they're playing chess because they're bored for six months. I may have to go back yeah. and look at the game that they're playing and see oh, which ones are in position. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go back and like look at the this set piece. Something I did know about the the, I don't know if we're calling this the clubhouse. Yeah, that's what Mary calls it. Yeah. Yeah. Seems um, like the, the people who built the clubhouse are very much more into putting the Meta Letters logo onto everything than whoever built the bunker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the branding. It's branding, is- KJ. <laughs> <laughs> um, because they thought everything. Uh, in. I think Abigail and I just started to say Especially in the back, uh, in the back room where like Ada's like mystery back room that's behind the bookshelf. Like it, it's big. It's on the floor. Like it's massive. <laughs> but it's, it's also on like every light fixture and every shelving unit. Also, yeah. I just I really feel like this is important to talk about. Carlos comes in with a pizza and he takes a piece of pizza and he puts yes, it on. Thank goodness you're pointing this out because I was like, oh, I like had an audible gas. I did too. <laughs> I was like, this is an old book. You are a hunter. Come on, dude. I really hope that there's ends up being an outtake of uh, what Nita, is that the actress that plays Lata? Yeah. Um, I really hope there's an outtake of her just like slapping him with pizza because <laughs> when that happened, I was like, no, this is not how we do things, Carlos. Carlos! <laughs> how dare you? Like, you should know better. You were a hunter. You know that she saved your life with information from this book. Okay, do we want to talk about the shadowy figure first or do we want to talk about the song Teacher Children Well first? Because those are the like kind of the last two things. Teacher Children Well and then ends on the... On the shadowy figure? Okay. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I pulled some some stuff on teacher children well. Um, what one of the lyrics, like the opening lyrics to the song are you are you you who are on the road must have a code that you can live by, and so become yourself because the past is just a goodbye. Teacher children well, their father's held did slowly go by, and I'm like hunting, hunting culture, and, and like yeah. on the road culture, and like just like again very early seasons early season supernatural and like the differentiation between like who like samuel campbell thinks is a monster versus who they think is a monster versus like who john thinks is a monster versus who sam and dean thinks of monster and i was like also so teach your children well it's kind of like a loose translation of uh deuteronomy uh six seven which is oh important verse. it's part of a mm-hmm. uh, jewish prayer called uh shema uh shema israel um i 
probably said that horribly wrong and I'm really sorry. Um, I reached out to my friends on the Juvenatural Discord, um, which is run by <laughs> JJ, such a great word. <laughs> who does a Juvenatural podcast, Malik Radio. Probably seen him on Twitter before, but I like reached out and it was like, guys, I don't know anything about this prayer. Please tell me something about it. And it's very important. Huh. So it starts with Deuteronomy 4 and goes to Deuteronomy, I want to say 9. Um, but it's like, it's the first prayer that you learn when you're a kid. Wow. And yeah. you say it two to three times a day. And it's like, it's the first thing you say um, in the morning. And it's like the last thing you say at night before going to bed. And wow. like part of it is like, it helps like return your soul to your body because like a portion of your soul goes to heaven when you're sleeping. It's also like, if you're dying, like you're, you're supposed to say it like as you're like dying, if you can, like, it's a really big deal. What's the verse again? Deuteronomy 6. It starts at Deuteronomy 6, 4. And like, this is Deuteronomy 6, 7. It's in a whole passage. It's like written on like the scrolls that you put in like a mezuzah. Like it's, it's a very uh... important prayer mm-hmm. about like, our God is the one God. Like that is the, like, it's a big deal. Yeah. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home yeah. and when you walk it's along like, the these road. Are, it's like, these are the principles that we live by. These are the things that we believe about the world. And you teach those to your children so that they will also follow in those footsteps. Wow. That's so, really cool. like, yeah. Thank you to all the people who are in that discord who uh, answered my questions. <laughs> Shout out to y'all. There's also... At, like more towards the end of the song there's a line that's like and so please help to teach your children them with your youth what you believe in they seek the truth make a world before they can die that we can live in so it's like again oh, your children concept- making a better world than you had again that concept of the truth of like what is the true story going on here what is what are your children is your, ch- yeah. your children finding are you teaching your children what really happened and then at the end of the song, it flips and goes, and teach your parents well, their children's hell will slowly go by. And I was like, mm, Sam and Dean are cursed. <laughs> oh, and I think that God. really comes back to that quote about from 904 about revisionist history. And it's mm-hmm. like this idea that the story of John and Mary that Dean and Sam were told growing up is John's version or later is like the version that like Mary confirms in season and twelve, yeah. it's but it's very vision. much revisionary. Like it clearly. So is... so John and Mary Heaven's version. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but also like John's uh, story of what like of his father's life is also like not mm-hmm. like he doesn't know what happened to Henry and like he doesn't have a full story there and like that's a whole thing. <laughs> anyway, yeah. that's what I wanted to say about that. <laughs> that's a really yeah. good point. I think thematically, again, tying, there's so many yeah, different things pulling out. song choices. Let's talk about the, like, end, like, with the figure in the hood and the monsters and what? Even more so than the figure in the hood, I want to know what the creepy little skittering things were across the ground, because they freaked me the fuck out. They reminded me of Demogorgons. They even, okay, thank you, Beth, thank you. Because, like, my whole thing was, like, when we watched the pilot last week, I'm like, this monster that they fight at the end is not the thing that got Samuel. These things mm-hmm. are the thing that got Samuel. Well, these are connected to the, these, whatever these are, these are connected to the Akrita. And they're following this person in the, in the hood. And so I don't know if they want this person in the hood or if they're following it. There's something connected to even this magic that, that brought this person to, to take one of these, like to take something from these flowers. Like there is something, there's a bigger picture, even in this monster of the week, which I think is 
Which is why I think it would have been so good if they did the whole like muse thing, because that mm -hmm. would have like been a powerful source for the flowers to have come from. But okay, it's fine. They wanted to create some new monsters. They also have. I really do like that. the Rowena theory, though, not just because it's like the popular one, but like especially the fact that the magic is red. Like, I feel like we see that happen with Rowena, don't we? My yeah, my hang up with that is that because these like little like skittery weird monster things are following this person that that means that this person is either gonna be a like strong ally or a strong like opponent for our group and like I don't want Rowena to be the big bad of like helping the Akrita I don't want that maybe but I also just it could literally be know. a red herring though I don't know I don't necessarily think I automatically thought this figure was the bad was a bad guy i think this thing figure is going to be important i didn't immediately jump to like they're working with the akrita or yeah. that they're on that the way side that but i guess we'll see followed her and i'm like either they're following this figure or they're following whatever they just pulled out of the ground like it's one of those two things yeah it doesn't i agree that it does look that way i'm just i'm not I don't know. I don't know. I just don't want Rowena to be the big bad. Oh, no. I uh, yeah. I would like Rowena to be there. a guest. Like an annoyance. <laughs> I would prefer that we get a new character than, like, if it, this seems like this, whoever this is in the road, seems like they're going to be a big deal, regardless of on which, yeah. you know, side of the fence they fall, whether they're like a, an ally or an antagonist, either or. I don't really love the idea of using a character that we already have really well established and who's already gone through those arcs of like sort of, you know, what where their morals lie and their redemptions mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. I would rather have a new character, which is why I don't, like as much as I love Rowena, I, I would like her to appear as like a guest role or like, you know, drop in for one episode or two. I don't really want her to be a super prominent character. Which... I think with this reveal could still be possible. Like I yeah. don't necessarily again, they could be like this feels like a big deal, but like it could be Well, I we said this on previous episodes. I love the notion of disco rowing. <laughs> That's what I want. I had a thought. I had a thought. Say this person is just like a witch, like a new witch that we haven't met before, but like clearly they're involved in some big shit. Like this is whatever this is is a big deal. I can see Rowena either knowing this person or being attracted to whatever power is occurring here. Right, so we can still get Rowena, but this about this piece. Rowena, her, like, key, like, especially, especially, like, pre, like, redemption arc Rowena, her, like, main thing is, like, what's in it for me and, like, not dying. So I can see Rowena being, like, uh, okay, this is a very powerful thing, but also, like, there's, a little, like, high chance of getting killed and, like, just, like, boot it after, like, an episode. <laughs> just be, like, this is not for me. Um, so I would love like a like one episode or like where this person like tries to convince Rowena to help and like Rowena's like not gonna and help because she, like, <laughs> she could end up being not about even it. like she could even end up contributing important information yeah. or spells but then not actually having to be a key player through the rest of the storyline which I think would would be satisfying yeah. um, to still acknowledge that she was a powerful witch at this time without making her essential. I did notice this person was wearing a lot of rings, which is very Rowena. Yeah, I was just going to say, I was really hoping, like, I uh, don't have a great eye for jewelry, but some people do. And I was really hoping I'd come across someone who had, like, maybe found the rings elsewhere. Oh, and I, swear, yeah. 
I had no, I have not come across anyone who's picked up that these are particular rings from like a previous oh, character Rowena or Rock's anything. A good cape too. I'm like this hood is a whole. And Serena also like wears a lot of different out. Like she's wears a she doesn't have one consistent look across. Mm. Yeah, she has she has a vibe, but not an outfit. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious. I'll be curious to see if we see anything more from this character even before we get a reveal of who they are. Oh, oh, something else uh, happened in this montage that wasn't like related to this figure. Uh, Millie takes some jasmine and like puts it in a pot from outside, and this makes me wonder if maybe Millie's thinking about leaving Lawrence or Aww. feeling like she needs protection. Because this thing's been growing for like 15 years on its own outside. Like there's no reason to take a bit and put it in a well, pot. I would I would disagree. She didn't know what it was. Yeah. She just seemed to be like, oh, this is just a thing and it's just freaking growing all over the place. But now she's just been told this is something that is for protection. And so it's like this realization. I wonder if yeah. it's a connection with Henry. Like I wonder if yeah. it's actually because she's like that. she is doing it to like look like while she's like looking at Henry stuff so I do think it is like a more of a like emotional Henry reason. thing than like a name protection but I am wondering if she's maybe thinking about leaving because she wants to, and she wants to take this with her see that that I could see yeah it's very possible I don't want to not have Millie but it seems like our crew is going to be traveling a lot out of Lawrence anyway so like she can still know. be part of the story even if she's not I mean it wouldn't be a supernatural show if we stayed in one place for too long I'd also rather Millie leave Lawrence and, like, that have her die. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if Millie ends up out of the supernatural life for some other re- like, if she ends up being not in the later story because she gets out, remember, out of the way, like, or, yeah, doesn't, doesn't remember, remember. yeah, that John, too. She doesn't remember her life. She ends up, like... Oh, that'd be brutal. Like, I hate that, that as brutal. well. But it would leave her alive. And it would excuse her not coming to get Sam and Dean when Mary yeah. dies. Like, so. she either has to... Which is, like, the biggest thing I need answered is, like, if Millie's alive, why is she not around? Yeah. Does anyone else have any, like, anything else, like, except for, like, I uh, kind of want to talk about the promo for next week? Oh! Yeah. Oh, boy. So I really do think we are getting home. Home. Yeah. The Winchester's version. <laughs> yep. Which is why I'm hoping we're going to find out where the fuck Deanna is. Mm. oh which would oh that'd be good i would really like a call i would really like mary to either call her mom or call her dad (laughs) well Um, and we seem about due for that with those parallels the like calling not getting an answer or calling getting an answer i've mostly seen people freaking out about mary in a cowgirl hat and i would really like to know (laughs) the context of that i'm really excited to learn how that outfit came together (laughs) i wonder if it's samuel's hat because remember the, the very first oh, scene of the pilot and the yeah. Indiana Jones vibes? So maybe they do get closer to finding him with that. Maybe on Mary it looks less Indiana Jonesy. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, I'm like, oh, the Mary coding, Dean coding parallels really are it's getting just, out of hand. <laughs> Jensen really is just, you know, they're just there's just choices being made that are Also the monster looks scary. Yeah. I'm really excited for a scary monster. Yeah, which I remember watching Home and being like, yeah, like there's... If you couldn't tell by how little we talked about the monster, I thought a lot of the monster bits in this episode kind of dragged. I didn't need three red herrings. No. (laughs) I'm gonna be honest, like, the reason that I watched Supernatural the whole way through was not for the plot. The reason I watched Supernatural (laughs) the whole way through was for the fucking character interactions. Like, that's what I was there for. And that's why I'm at the prequel. Like, I'm here because I want to understand the characters better. I'm not here because I give much of a shit about the actual 
plotty plot plot as it goes through each yeah. episode. I know. I, Especially with a monster like this that's mostly just going to eventually like disappear just, in a poof. Did anybody else just like in the teacher children well montage like that whole scene and I, I posted this again I, I keep mentioning the things that I've posted to the Winchester's account but they're relevant that moment where they're all sitting there and they're like you know at the pool table it so reminded me of that moment where you've got like Dean and Cass and Sam just like mm-hmm. sitting around mm-hmm. sharing beers like that it did remind me of that Elena but I I, I did have a slight different scene oh which one the one where Charlie is there and you get the scene of Charlie opening the chatterbox and Cass leans over to read it like that's the one that I that's was thinking yeah, of. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Literally in my notes, like I had notes about like the monster of the week and like literally in my notes I wrote, not the part of the show I care about, much like Supernatural. That's why I have Meredith when we do Supernatural opinions because I don't want to talk about monsters. <laughs> I'm really glad that this is maintaining, like as campy as it was in moments, I was like, this is the kind of camp that I am used to and I expect from the Supernatural. I was really not excited to hear that this was going to be like very monster of the week, but so yeah, far I'm kind of vibing with it. Like so far, based on this these two and like the promo for next week i'm i'm feeling this monster well, and, of the week stuff. and what they're doing and what i always liked about supernatural's monster of the week in early seasons when they did it well this is not true of every monster of the week episode is when they used monster of the week to like weave in lots of amazing character exploration yeah. mm-hmm. that's what they did ex- expertly well they're keeping up with the overall storyline. There's too many episodes of Supernatural that are so Monster of the Week where like everything except for one conversation will be about the Monster seasons, of the Week. Which they're, I don't think they're going to have that problem with this because it's only 13 episodes. Yeah, so they're yeah, yeah. they're not wasting entire episodes and, like, and only TV mentioning has the meta plot. And TV has changed a lot since 2005. Yeah. Supernatural did that in the early seasons because it's a great method it's a great narrative tool to get to know the characters like if you just have because what better way to get to know a character than to just throw them into a situation Mm -hmm. and see how they're going to handle it and i think that if we have a first season of like this show where it's very much like that we just see these different monster of the week sort of interactions that's going to set us up to brilliantly if this if the show gets renewed and continues to go for a little bit I think it will be able to do the same thing Supernatural did, which is get into the more big mythology meta sort of stuff. But it's going to get us there by getting us to know the characters. And a good way to do that is through Monster of the Week. And hopefully we won't do it. We'll do it without some of the less Creepy racial overtones. (laughs) And without some of the like unnecessary filler episodes because of the virtue of like having only 13 episodes. I just realized that we're coming into a new age of Supernatural where Did that just the, you? No, no, no. <laughs> specifically where we're going to have people arguing as to whether or not you should watch the og show before or after the prequel yes it's true. i think it's gonna depend on where this goes entirely it's, it's, like well, it's do you entirely. watch the prequel first because it's chronological or do you come back to it like i think yeah we're gonna have to wait to see how it goes but... i think it depends on the reveal the thir- episode 13 reveal of that's gonna apparently make a lot of things clear. i think people are still arguing about that with like star wars so well, I that's my point that's, that's my be point. A definitive answer i think that's yeah. gonna be an interesting I interpretive to... analysis this is also like a marvel thing as well and like i tend to favor chronological order i tend to favor stories. release order interesting because i think that Um, that's the way the story was told and i think that's interesting to like experience it that way like uh, as it stands based on two episodes i would definitely watch supernatural first 
but that might not be true by the end of the show. Yeah, and it depends yeah. how spoil. I think it. Yeah, like once we know where Jean is, I think that's gonna be the deciding factor. Is how much I think, I think we're gonna, gonna get gonna people. Is. We're gonna get both camps. Yeah, we're gonna get yeah, people who are like. Yeah, that's just that's the nature of like you, you hang out in fandom long enough and you start to see the same things pop up in different fandoms and and that's like we're we're in the we are officially and squarely in the era of the Winchester cinematic universe and the sooner we accept that the sooner that everything will become easier to process. Well, that is all we have for today. So thank you to everyone for listening. Um, you can send us your own predictions and theories on our Twitter um, at Wayward Parents or our Tumblr at Wayward Parents Podcast. And if you want to join us in the chaos by playing along with your own Winchester's bingo card, you can find out how to do that at the link in our show notes. Bye. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I, I now keep wanting to do that thing that Noah did on queering things where he went, tune in next time. <laughs> like, I just keep <laughs> wanting to say that. <laughs>